Welcome to the Market Call Show, where we discuss what's happening in the markets and the impact on your investments. Tune in every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Market Call Podcast. Today, I'm going to be bringing up a ton of charts, and I'm going to be going over what's happening in the markets, what's hitting my desk. It's really important right now to understand that we have a tug of war that's happening a tug of war between those that believe that we are really pulling out into a, another growth phase and that inflation is going to come down. So we have that camp and then we have another camp that's saying, hey, listen, rates are going to turn this economy down because rates have been going up a lot and the consumer is not so strong. So let's just dive into some charts. I really wanted to get into this. This has been one of those cases where there's a dichotomy or a difference between what economists are saying and what the markets are saying. What I have here is a chart showing the Atlanta Fed GDP now real GDP estimates for 2022 Q4. And you can see the range uh, that you can compare the blue chip consensus economists. So we have a group of economists that are called blue chip economists. And if you look at the range of their forecasts, you could see that they're really looking for low growth, like near zero growth. And some of the forecasts are in recession. But if you compare that to the Atlanta Fed GDP now estimate, it's a much higher number. It's in the 3%, 4% growth range. So there's a big difference in these forecasts but even the blue chip economists are still uh, effectively believing that there's going to be a uh, somewhat slower growth, not really going into a recession, if you look at the median. But if you actually go down, go down and you take it a step further, right? If you go to the next step, what you find is that there's really, really more of a feeling or a sense that the market believes we should have a slowdown and the slowdown should turn into a recession. So this next slide is the Philly Fed Manufacturing Activity Index. And in this slide, what you'll notice is that when this index goes below zero, it tends to be recessionary. That's one of the reasons why a lot of economists like to look at this number because it can give you a sense as to what's happening. And if you look at this chart, you'll see there's these little gray lines and these gray lines indicate when we have had recessions. And you can see that, that clearly when, it, when this number has gone into negative territory, recessions have ensued. So what's interesting is now we're in a negative territory again. This would imply recession. Now this is a rather narrow measurement. It measures the manufacturing activity in a certain region. So it's not the whole economy, but it is predictive. And there, the data on this shows that it's predictive, not always, but it does have significant predictive power. And you could just clearly see this, that that is so with the uh, prior recessions here. That is not jiving, I guess, with what you're seeing the big blue chip economists saying. And it definitely doesn't jive with what we saw with what the Fed was forecasting. 
And I think the market is definitely showing that, uh, you know, we're leaning more towards a belief that maybe we're going to have a recession. If you look at the S&P 500, this is the spider ETF. This orange line is the 200 day moving average. And you can see we dropped down once, we came up above it, popped below, then we dipped below it again. And we basically tested this four times this year. We're right at that level right now. That's the significance right now. If you look here, we are right at that level where we tested the 200 day moving average and we ba backed away from it. We backed going further down. If you pull back and look bigger picture, you can see that the other markets that are related, we call that intermarket analysis when we're looking at a lot of different other markets outside of stocks to try to get a mosaic of what's happening overall. So when we look at this chart, we have four different markets. We have gold, which is purple. We have oil, which is kind of an orangish color. And we have the US dollar, which is blue. And then we have the S&P 500, which is in green. What I did was I overlaid the, these markets in their price terms so we could see how they've been performing year to date and when they've peaked or troughed. So let's start at the very top of this chart. If you look at the top of the chart, what we see is that oil peaked first. Now, when oil peaks, it could be construed as being a sign of weakness in the economy, lower demand, it could be supply related, but it hasn't really been so much supply. So we had a peak in oil, and then what we noticed is we had another peak in the dollar, uh, 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 peak in the dollar. What happened here, the US dollar has been on fire, just rallying, going up, going up, going up relative to the Euro, the Japanese yen, the British pound, the Australian dollar, but virtually across the board. Some people believe that it's because that we have higher interest rates relative to other economies. Some people think it's a flight to quality as people are moving outside of the international markets, buying the dollar, bringing capital back into the US. It could be those things. But the mosaic is starting to become clear. We had this, you know, dollar going up rally and we had the oil going up and we've seen a reversal in that recently right we had a peak in oil and then we had a peak in the dollar those two things kind of signify bullish market action potentially coming in the future and we did in fact see the stock market bottom out and we also saw gold bottom out in u.s dollar terms Gold tends to move inversely to the value of the dollar. So, and one of the things that we've been talking about, if you've been following some of my commentary, is that the stock market, I had been expecting to go up when the dollar basically tops. And we did see that. So, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because... These intermarket relationships give us a little bit more clues as to what's happening. On one hand, it appears that the market wants to rally 
and wants to see there's a bottom. There's a lot of talk about we're going to have interest rates not go up as fast as they were anticipating. The Fed kind of slowing down on that, maybe only raising 50 basis points rather than raising 75 basis points like they have been. This is creating a bullish sense. But since we came down to the kind of the uh, 200 day moving average and came down off of that, that actually is getting some people feeling, hey, wait a minute, maybe this market is still in a downtrend. If you look at it longer term, we're still in a downtrend. And maybe we uh, are, are, are just gonna head to new lows. One thing we know for sure, this is not your parents' economy. I want to make available to you a copy of my book, The Financial Freedom Blueprint, the very first chapter you can download for free. And in that chapter, you'll learn on ways to stay ahead of the herd, how to invest in this crazy environment, and how to make sure your financial plans are on track. So go to pathtorealwealth.com and download your free copy today. One of the things I wanted to do was kind of look at the consumer. What is a consumer doing? And if you look at the consumer, you see that we have kind of two different ways that we spend. We have things that we spend on kind of discretionary items, items that we can forego, like maybe going to, you know, subscribing to Netflix or, you know, going out to the movies or going out to eat. And then you have kind of our staples, the stuff you have to buy, like soap, food, things that we are necessities. So one of the things we can do is we could look at a ratio of the stock prices of those consumer discretionary companies, which tend to do very well when people are flush with cash and are willing to spend more. And then we can compare those prices to those staples like the grocery stores, for example. And this chart here shows the consumer discretionary over the consumer staple stocks in a ratio. And if you go back, this is a 10 year chart, by the way. If you go back in time, we had a big rally starting in the November 2008 lows. We had a big rally in consumer discretionary versus staples. And so that basically means risk on. People are more flush with cash. So after we bottomed out in that 08, 09 crisis, we had this massive run up, you could see, right? And then we had a like, basically a blow off and, and a massive decline. You see this spike up and come, we came down to this support level. We're, I believe we're at a critical juncture now because we are actually at prior levels that have been a support area in the relative performance. So if we are going to have a rally, it's most likely that this level near where we are should hold up. If it breaks from here significantly, that would imply that maybe we would actually hit new lows in the stock market. The good news is, is we don't have to necessarily predict it. We just need to watch the trends. So a good friend of mine uh, had mentioned that maybe we should have this thing turn around. And also I heard from another analyst, Ari Wald, who is the chief technician for Oppenheimer. Um, we kind of exchanged a couple of tweets. He actually um, basically, uh, believes that it will turn higher based on their work. So they're more bullish. But one of the things that has me 
believing that the case that we may actually have more sputtering is that Amazon, which is like one of our biggest, best indicators of how the consumer is doing, that stock is breaking key support. And I was looking for that stock to hold that support, but it actually did break it, as you can see in this chart here. So what does it mean when Amazon's stock breaks support, if you will? What that basically means is that there was a lot of buying interest at certain levels where we were, and many of those holders have been kind of flushed out. And some people and a lot of investors are probably in loss scenarios right now or in a loss position right now. So they're likely to have uh, more pressure to sell more. And it also can indicate that consumer demand is not doing so well because investors want to sell off that particular stock. I have been reading some analysts say, hey, Amazon's a buy, you know, you need to buy right now. So based on the current position, technically, I would say Amazon does not look like a buy to me right now. It is not extremely inexpensive um, or even fairly valued, uh, depending on how you look at it. So I'm not in that camp. So if the consumer is weak, that would imply maybe we hit new lows in the stock market. You see what I mean about how we have these competing signals right now, kind of a tug of war. We have the general mosaic of the intermarket dynamics saying, hey, maybe we're bottoming out. And then you have, you know, certain forecasts of the economy that are more bullish than others. But then you have other indicators, which I didn't actually do a chart of, but I was it was pointed out to me that we now have an inverted yield curve in the global interest rate markets which is significant because one of the best indicators of a recession is the yield curve. So now we have inverted yield curves, meaning the short-term interest rates are higher than the longer-term interest rates. We have that inverted condition in both the United States and abroad. So that would be not supporting the bull, <clears throat> excuse me, the bull case. All right, so I wanna shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about speculation. Because one of the things that we want to look at when we're looking for clues of whether or not we are going to have a sustained rally, we look at more of the speculative assets. Probably the most speculative asset right now that has a lot of volume and interest would be the cryptocurrencies. As everybody knows, we had a massive blow up. Who knows? Allegedly, there's some fraud there. Who knows exactly what happened? I'm sure we're going to find out a lot more about what has happened with FTX. So as we're trying to figure that out, one of the things we can do is we could look at the supply and demand and the price action of the key cryptos. Now, I put a couple of proxies up here. I put the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which is kind of a... a easily available way for people to participate in Bitcoin's price action. And I also put the Grayscale Ethereum trust in there, which is another, you know, highly traded cryptocurrency. And you can see we've had a massive decline. I mean, we're talking 80% over the last year. So 
we even though we had this big decline though you have to kind of point out that we did see some stabilization uh and and a kind of a slowing of that downtrend starting right around july of this year we're near lows right now so it could break down further but the momentum is slowing to the downside so that's something to consider we do not have a break in the trend moving higher indicating that we are in a more speculative environment, more risk on environment. So that would also support that maybe the market is not going to just bottom right here or we've already put the bottom in place. <laughs> I had uh, a colleague of mine tweet saying, uh, did we asking, did we hit the bottom yet in the market? And I responded to him saying that there's a 68% chance that we hit, hit the bottom. And I based that answer based on the fact that about uh, we're about 68% invested in our equity portion of our portfolios. You know, if you take the equity portions that we're normally 100% invested in, we're only 68% invested. And that's based on our, our opportunity scores, looking at return risk. <laughs> so I just kind of gave, gave him that. And then he responded back and he said, well, I think you're about, there's a 68% chance that you're right. So. I don't know, I guess 68% times 68% would be something less than 68%. So anyhow, well, let's stop geeking out about statistics. So I'm gonna go through a series of charts now, I'm switching gears again, because when we're looking at like where the market is, one of the things I like to do is to say, what is happening with the leadership, the companies that are the strongest trending companies in the market that have strong fundamentals, and accelerating growth, maybe new products, new services. How are they responding right now? And one of the things we look for is we like to find companies that have, uh, you know, the, the fundamental backdrops that we're looking for, but then we see kind of a tightening in the price action, uh, you know, showing that sellers are kind of uh, shook, shook, shook out of the stock. So there's only buying interest left. We want to buy when when the sellers are, are, are basically gone and we have more buying interest. And we look at these bases, if you will, like consolidations, meaning that price action is getting tighter. And when they break out, we like to see follow through. So in a good bull market, we'll see the prices continue to follow through and move higher. Um, in, in some cases we are seeing that, but very few cases, and that's what I'm gonna kind of illustrate. Um, this particular company, did follow through. And um, in full disclosure, um, I have had a position in this. So, but you could see the follow through we've had. A, we came up against that 200 day moving average in the market, but this, this stock kept going further, kind of bucking the trend. Um, First Solar was another example of one of our holdings that followed through. You could see it breaking through the highs around 142 and then continuing on. But many companies have actually just come to those levels and have stalled. Like Booz Allen, you can see it just kind of stalled, you know, kind of came up to the highs, stalled, no follow through. Um, ADM, same thing. And these, these are the cream of the crop. These are the top performing trending companies um, based on how we look at things and look, you know, how we screen the markets. So my point there was that 
we are in a situation where we came up against those that 200-day moving average, and even the very best leaders, they're not following through. And that, to me, is another sign that maybe the market is due for either more of a pause or maybe a further decline to new lows. So another thing I want to kind of point out is if you look at China, you know, we can look at China in a few different ways. One would be that there's a lot of news right now, given that the Chinese government has had extreme lockdowns and some would argue have been very heavy handed um, by all accounts. That's what we're seeing. So how is that market responding? So I thought I would actually show a relative strength chart, a ratio chart of the Chinese stock index, the MSCI China index, and compare that to the S&P 500. So what's interesting, this chart's going back quite a ways. This chart's back, going back five years. You can see we've been in a downtrend for a long time. We've been in a downtrend in China. Um, we've had some multi-year rallies, though, between you know, during that downtrend that have actually allowed you to be able to outperform in Chinese stocks. For example, uh, we saw that 17, 2017, 2018, we saw the Chinese market outperform as well as uh, from the 20, just before 2020, all the way going into the tail end of 2022. But now we're heading back down again. So uh, I actually heard somebody say that, oh, wow, we're having a big rally in China. It's so funny. You can you hear all these all this news. But then when you pull up the charts and you look at the data, you go, oh, we're still in the downtrend. And we're testing the upper end of a downtrend cycle. So if we have a breakout uh, from here, that would be a good solid indication that maybe we're heading into a bull bull market in the U.S. as well. Chinese stocks are still in a downtrend, though. And so I would be looking for maybe we're due for some rally again in Chinese stocks relative to the U.S. And maybe we'll see another one of these outperformance periods like we saw in these two areas that I have pointed out in this chart. One of the things I do want to mention, too, though, is there's some bright spots. One thing that's interesting is the banking sector. So when interest rates are rising, sometimes banks can earn more money because they basically are able to make more money on their deposits. Uh, they can also uh, lend money out. They have a, better, a bigger spread between what they lend out in the form of the interest rate income they earn versus what they're, they're paying you know, for deposits. And um, there's also another side to it, which has to do with loan demand, which could be the opposite effect. But this chart here shows the two most important sectors in the banking area and how to think about it. One would be the regional banks and the other would be kind of the big banks, the big money center banks. So the top chart is the bigger banks and some of the more established regional banks, the bigger regional banks. And the bottom, one, bottom chart is the smaller regional banks. They tend to have a little bit different dynamics. But one of the things that you could notice is that we've been in a long downtrend, and this is a pretty long-term chart. You know, you can look at the scale here. We've been in a downtrend in the banks relative to the S&P. So I should point out, this is a relative chart. I love to look at these relative charts because 
they give you an idea about whether or not you're outperforming the market. So we've been in an underperforming period, but what's interesting is we have been for some time now actually starting to outperform and we've had a little consolidation and now we're really kind of almost breaking out in relative performance in the banking sector. I, I believe that this actually gives you some clues as to where some new incremental money will go. So there's some standout stocks in that area. And we definitely have noticed that many of these companies are on the smaller side. It's not like the JP Morgans or the Bank of Americas that are the ones that we're liking the most. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of some things that have been crossing my desk. We could get into a lot more. <laughs> we could go on for a long time. But I wanted to keep, show you some key areas that I think give us some clues that perhaps if you look at the weight of the evidence, it leans towards a pause right now. Um, but of course, that could change. But that's what I see right now. That's how I look at it. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And um, if you haven't, follow me on Twitter. And um, we'll talk to you guys later. The information in this podcast is informational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. WealthNet Investments is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where WealthNet Investments and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure.